Good morning, Christ Covenant. Um, I would love if you could join me in God's word uh, and turn to the book of Acts. Uh, we're going to read from Acts chapter 20. So the book of Acts chapter 20. Uh, my name is Yannick Christos Wahab uh, from Stockholm Baptist Church in London. Uh, it's such a joy to be with you all this morning. Uh, and it's even more of a joy to read God's word this morning. The book of Acts was written by someone called Luke. But even more importantly, the book of Acts, like the rest of Scripture, is written by God. And so I would love for us to pay attention to what God, the, the creator of the universe, has to say to us from his word. And so it's Acts 20. I'll read from verse 17 through to the end of the chapter. Acts 20 from verse 17 through to the end of the chapter. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, first wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things, to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who are with me. In all things, I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak and remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had said these things, he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. 
They embraced Paul and kissed him. Being sorrowful, most of all, because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, it's so good to have Yannick here. Uh, We were members of the same church in, in Birmingham and got to serve together there. And now I'm so grateful for how the Lord is using him in, in London and, and all of our missions partners. Uh, it, it really is humbling to us uh, that you would take time away from your ministry, which is very important, um, that you would get on a plane, that you would travel across the world to come and to invest into us, uh, to be a part of what God is doing here. We are humbled and uh, grateful for what God is doing through you. We're humbled to be a part of what God is doing, a little part, uh, I know. And, and I'm so hopeful for what the Lord may do uh, as these partnerships continue to grow and foster and develop and as the Lord continues to use um, each of you. It really is a, a wonderful day for us to all be together. And, and this is such a special, uh, obviously, sight for me and to just think about the potential of this um, and not just what's happening in Atlanta and in this room, but what might be happening through our church uh, to the ends of the world um, through these partners and, and so many others. You know, I, I miss you last week. I was not here as you were worshiping here in Atlanta. I actually had the great privilege of worshiping with a group of Iranian Christians, people who had come to faith um, in Iran. And, and, and literally every person I worshiped with last week, it's such a, it's interesting to be in this room and can think about it compared to that room. Every person that I worshiped with last week had been to jail, uh, had been to prison. They, they had gotten, out of, we were in Turkey, we were not in Iran, but they had gotten out of Iran uh, because of persecution that they faced. Uh, one of the pastors of the church, he'd come to faith in Iran. God revealed himself to him in, a, in a, an amazing way. And, and uh, I don't have time to tell you the whole story there, but he'd come to faith and he got so excited about Jesus and uh, he started doing what Christians do and what we're talking about. This is what this whole thing is. He started making disciples. He started reading the Bible with other believers. He started praying with other believers. He started forming a little Bible study group and that grew and that expanded. And of course, sure enough, even though they tried to keep it underground, they were found out. You know, they, they, they caught him. And he went to jail. He went to prison for three years for his faith. And um, he gets out, okay, <laughs> he gets out. He's been in jail for three years and they said, all right, now are you gonna stop it? You know, enough with the whole Jesus thing. I mean, we, we've punished you. Are you going to, to quit all of this? Are you, gonna, are you gonna stop it? And he just said, I can't. I can't quit reading my Bible. I can't quit meeting with believers. <laughs> I can't. Jesus is my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. And when I think about his story, I think about this verse, verse 24. Paul, in the same kind of way, says, I don't count my life of any value or is precious to me if only to finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, 
to testify the gospel of the grace of God. I don't count my life precious. I don't count my life of any value. If, if only that I obey Jesus. If only that I finish the course. That's, that's basically what this brother said that I met in Turkey last week, this Iranian Christian. Jesus is his life. And so he can't not obey Jesus. Jesus is his Lord. And so, of course, he doesn't want to go to prison. He didn't want to escape his homeland. It's not like he's excited about those things. But, he, but, but, but all of that is small compared to the, the preciousness and the beauty and the weight of Jesus, his Lord, in his life. You know, on the way home, as I flew back across the ocean, I, uh, you know, you're on the plane and I was looking for something to watch and I watched Band of Brothers, you know, the uh, old Band of Brothers, like the old one. And I know a new one's coming out, but this was the old one and I hadn't seen it in years. And uh, it was, it was kind of good to, to watch it. And, and uh, if you've never seen that, it's a, it tells the story of the Easy Company and their, and their involvement in World War II, just to kind of summarize for you. Well, they, you know, there are these paratroopers. They land on D-Day. Of course, it's incredibly intense. And, the, and one of the soldiers is a guy named Albert Blythe. And he's in total shell shock, okay? He's landed there. You know, the war's going on. He's in total shell shock. He's there in the foxhole. And of course, everybody's fighting around him, but he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't engage. He just stays in the hole. I mean, he is terrified and, and rightly so. I mean, he's seeing people die uh, all around him. He's hearing the gunshots. He's hearing the explosions. He's in total shell shock. He can't fight. He can't engage. And one night, he's there in the foxhole and one of the other soldiers comes up to him and he says, the only hope you have is to accept the fact that you're already dead. <laughs> he says, the sooner you accept that, the sooner you'll be able to function as a soldier is supposed to function. I've been thinking about that. I've been thinking about that as it relates to my life, as it relates to our life, as it relates to the advance of the gospel. You know, we, we've been going... We've been talking about being a church that goes from being Great Commission uninformed. I realize some people here are new to the faith. This idea of the work of Christ, making disciples, missions partners, what God is doing around the world, it's a new idea for some of you. So you might be Great Commission uninformed. So we've been talking about going from Great Commission uninformed to Great Commission aware, understanding that God has this call on our lives to be his hands and feet, to be his representatives, and realizing how God does that through his word, through evangelism, through the church. So we go from Great Commission uninformed to Great Commission aware to Great Commission engaged, to being engaged in what God is doing, to not just be a spectator, to not just be for the cause, you know, to, to use the analogy of war, <laughs> you know, I think that we all believe in the cause, right? If you, if you love Jesus, we all believe in the cause, right? We want to see the gospel go forward. We want to see churches planted. We want to see people go from darkness to light. We want to see people come to faith in Jesus. We believe in the cause, but are we engaged in the cause? Are we giving our lives for the cause? Are we risking anything for the cause? Are we soldiers? And if not, why? Why? I mean, are, are some of you hiding out in the foxhole? Scared to get out there? Are we too protective of our lives? Are we too protective of our time? Are we too protective of our money? 
And if we have this protective foxhole posture, we will never be Great Commission engaged. We'll never be good soldiers. We'll certainly never be this. I do not count my life as of any value or precious to myself. If only I may finish the course and the ministry that I've received from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. You know, this is not a one-off for Paul. I think of Galatians 2.20. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, right? This is kind of what the advice to Albert Blythe was. I'm already dead. (laughs) I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. And the life that I now do live, the, the life that I'm living right now in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and who gave himself for me. Is that how we live? Is that how we live? Are we engaged in what God is doing? The life that I live, I live by faith toward God. And so to help us with this, to to help us to become a Great Commission engaged church, we've been looking at three churches. We're gonna look at the final church today, the church of Ephesus in the book of Acts. Of course, there's a lot to say about Ephesus and these Ephesians. Ephesus is a town you can actually still visit it, the ruins of which are still there in Western Turkey. Um, and there's a lot to say about um, this church, but, uh, but we've just looked today, as Yannick just read for us, this kind of final speech that Paul gives. It's so moving. He's, he's been with them, he's ministered to them, he's pastored them, now he's leaving them. And in this little speech, we, we, we learn of two things, or at least two things we have time to look at today. Number one, the preciousness, the preciousness of the word of God and the preciousness of the church of God. The preciousness of the word of God and the preciousness of the church of God. So let's look at the preciousness of the word. Well, the gospel in, in one way, or at least I would say it this way, news of Jesus had come to Ephesus. There was a guy named Apollos. Now he would become a great leader in the church. He knew uh, a little bit about Jesus. He, he didn't know the full story. He didn't know anything about the Holy Spirit. He didn't have a lot of the, the revelation that we know as, of as the New Testament But he knew, he believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He believed that Jesus was the fulfillment of the Old Covenant. And so he started preaching that. He was very eloquent. He was very talented. He started preaching that to these Ephesians and he even baptized them in what was called the baptism of John, baptism of of John the Baptist, a a declaration of, of, of repentance, of sin before God. But of course, he hadn't heard the whole story yet. He would, he would become a great leader in the church. Priscilla and Aquila actually kind of got a hold of him and they sent him to Corinth. They said, go get trained in Corinth. And this is interesting. So he goes to Corinth to go to seminary, as it were. And, and as he's going to Corinth, Paul comes to Ephesus. <laughs> and he meets these people, and Paul had just been in Corinth. They kind of switched places. And so he meets these people in Ephesus that they have a little interest in Jesus, just they don't know the full story. Now, what's interesting, I mean, even thinking about our missions partners, y'all, y'all still see this all the time, right? They have a little revelation. There's a little truth about Jesus that uh, they've, they've heard. They just, they, but you know what they're missing? You know what they're missing? And, and maybe some of you are here today at this. You, you know a little bit about Jesus, but what you're missing is what these Ephesians needed, and that's the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God. And so when Paul comes to Ephesus, the spirit of God comes upon these people. The word of God is taught to these people. And as we see here faithfully for three years, this is what he's talking about in verse 19. He says, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. So he'd come into Asia 
from what was Greece. He says, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. Now, this is interesting. It's, it's very interesting from where we are today. You know, we're learning from these Ephesians. We actually, have, we actually have more in common with them than you think. So Paul first met with them, these Ephesian Christians, in a synagogue, right? It's kind of appropriate. You know, I, I, I got an email, somebody saying, should we, should we meet in a synagogue? I goes, well, you know, uh, I said, man, it's kind of providential. We didn't, I actually didn't even put this together until I was studying this text. He first met with them in the synagogue. And of course there were Jews and people learning and some were coming to faith, but some didn't like it. They didn't like that they were there. And so they made them move. They, they, Paul had to get out of the synagogue and they, and they drove them to what was called here, the Hall of Tyrannus. Now the Hall of Tyrannus, and I'm just thinking about this, like the full circle moment that we're having here. Hall of Tyrannus was a school, which is, of course, where Christ's covenant started, in a school. So we actually have a lot in common with these Ephesian Christians. They are discipled in synagogues. They're discipled in schools. That's where they met. And I love this, verse 20. He says, I did not shrink back. As I was teaching you, as the church was growing, as the church was forming, I did not shrink back from declaring you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public, so in the large gatherings, and from house to house, in the small gatherings, testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, what a, what a picture of what faithful Christianity looks like. The word of God was so precious to me, Paul is saying here. I didn't shrink back from declaring it to you. And wherever you were, you were in a large gathering, I was declaring the word of God to you. Whether you were in a house to house or a small gathering, I was declaring the word of God to you. Paul is so taken by Jesus. He's so in love with Jesus. He's so in love with uh, the word of Jesus that he did not shrink back. I love that phrase. You see this throughout Paul's ministry. I mean, I think of Romans 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, right? I'm not going to shrink back from the gospel because the gospel is the power of God. I think of 1 Corinthians 1. We looked at this a few weeks ago, right? He says, you know, I preach Christ crucified. It's a folly uh, to the Greeks. It's a scandal to the Jews. But to those who are called, to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. Paul is so taken by the gospel. He's so taken by the work of Christ. He's so taken by the word of Christ that he doesn't shrink back He's faithful to teach and to preach and to disciple and to bring the truth of God to bear. Now, uh, there's always going to be a temptation to shrink back. There's always going to be a, a temptation to kind of give less than the gospel or give a more palatable gospel or to kind of avoid some parts of the scripture. I mean, our partners can certainly tell you about this. You know, Massimo was talking about the condition in Malaysia. You know, in Malaysia, if you're, if you're a Christian and you just don't say anything to Muslims, it's fine. <laughs> just stay in your lane. Just be in your little house. Just, just preach a gospel that's okay for these people. But of course, what is the central command of Jesus? That we would make disciples. <laughs> that we would evangelize the whole world. And so Massimo can't be, and neither can we, faithful to Jesus and not faithful to the Great Commission. He can't shrink back from that. He can't preach a different gospel from that. 
And again, the same kind of thing happens in our context in Atlanta. You know, we, we live in an increasingly humanistic city, secular and humanistic city. And in Atlanta, there's going to be a kind of Christianity that is acceptable. It's a humanistic, secular city, and so a secular kind of humanistic Christianity is going to be very acceptable in Atlanta. And in a city like that, here's kind of what the gospel sounds like. It's Jesus is kind of your coach, or Jesus is a guy that gives you advice. It's, it's helping you, the human, maximize yourself, fulfill your dreams, accomplish your goals. You should take Jesus' advice. He's a wise counselor. That's a humanistic kind of Christianity. And sometimes it can be kind of hard to discern because it you know, comes from the Bible and it feels a lot like Christianity. Thomas Nelson one time said, and I, I thought this was so wise, he says, you can always tell a false Christianity because it's more about you and less about Jesus. You can always tell a false Christianity because it becomes a Christianity that's more about you, <laughs> your goals, your dreams, and less about Jesus, and less about his kingdom. That's our context, right? Our context is always gonna be pushing us to this kind of man-centered Christianity. Our business partners have different contexts, some of them Muslim, some of them um, you know, different kind of religions, different worldviews. But, but there's always going to be pressure, no matter where you are, to lessen the Christianity, to shrink the Christianity. And that's why I love verse 27. I did not shrink from declaring you the whole counsel of God. If you really love the Lord, if you really believe that Jesus is the Lord, then you desire his word. Again, not because it's good advice, not because you know, it, it can help you, even though it certainly can. We, we desire the word of God so that we can know God. We long to hear the voice of God speaking to us. We long to hear the voice of God so that we can know God who is most beautiful, who is most powerful, most strong, most wise so that we can worship this God, the very thing that we were all created to do. So we need the word. That's why we can't shrink back from the full counsel, from the full voice, if you will, of God. And through his word, we, we, we can see how good and right and whole and beautiful he is. And so this word is so dear and precious and good to us. You know, I mentioned being with these Iranian uh, Christians last week. Uh, the pastor, as I mentioned, he went to prison. So when he gets to prison, he, um, he asks the prison guards for a Bible. He says, can I have a Bible? And they said, no, you're in prison because of the Bible. Like, we're not going to give you a Bible. But he loves God's word because he loves God. He wants to know God. And he longed to hear his Savior's voice speaking to him through the word of God. And so he said, can I have a Bible? Can I have a Bible? He kept at him. Can I have a Bible? And finally they said, okay, if you paint these prison cells... We'll give you a Bible. That was a big project. So he and his buddies, they went off to painting and they, they did all this work. They, they, it took them weeks. They painted <clears throat> these prison cells. They get to the end of it. They finished all the work. They said, here's the prison cells. We've painted them. Can we have a Bible? And the guard said, well, no. We didn't think you would actually do it, but you can't have a Bible. And they said, but what we will give you 
is we'll give you 10 extra minutes of phone time. They had five minutes a day they could talk on the phone. And they said, because you did all this work and painted these cells, we'll give you 15 minutes. So what did these Iranian Christians do with their 15 minutes of phone time? You know what they did? They called their friends outside of the prison and they had them read the Bible to them so they could transcribe it and call by call and day by day, they transcribed the entire New Testament and most and a lot of the Old Testament. Now, why? These people that are in prison, these people that, you know, why, why is the word of God so precious to them? And don't you see, it's so precious to them because Jesus is so precious to them. And through his word, they, they hear his wisdom. They see his goodness. They hear his voice. That's what Paul's saying here. I didn't shrink back from it. I didn't shrink back from it. I, I presented you the full beauty of the Lord. Now, of course, we, we live in an age that's gonna try to twist this Look at verse 29, he says, after my departure, fierce wolves will come and not spare the flock. And from among yourselves will arise men speaking twisted things. will try to draw you away after them. Again, there's always gonna be people that, that wanna lead you to a more acceptable, right? A twisted version of what God has revealed. If you're in a Muslim context, again, it's just, just, you can talk about Jesus, just talk about him as a prophet, right? Or if you're in a secular kind of humanistic, you can talk about Jesus, but just, just talk about him as some, like a therapeutic person, a friend when you're sad, or somebody who gives you, a guru, somebody who gives you advice, or maybe he's a political mascot, right? He kind of represents your politics, but the world will always push against, the, the world will always resist. I want you to hear this. They will always resist who Jesus really is, and that is the Lord, and the King of all, and the one who is worthy of all our lives, and all of our praise, and all of our worship, he doesn't fit nicely into any worldly system. And so as Paul says, don't be deceived. Don't believe in any other kind of Jesus, but the true Jesus, as he's presented himself in his word. He says, be alert. Remember that three years I did not cease to admonish you with tears. And now I commend you, listen to this. I commend you to God, to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. This is what the word can do, build you up and give you inheritance among all those who are being sanctified. What Jesus is saying here is, what the word of God does is it makes us into sons and daughters of God. It makes us into the likeness of God. As we know God through his word, we are sanctified. We are made holy. We are made righteousness. We are built up into the maturity of Christ. As we talk about missions, we've been talking about it all weekend, but this is it. This is what it is that the word of God would go forward through his church so that by the word, by the power of the spirit, by the church, people can come to know God and be conformed into his image, that the kingdom of God would go forward through his people, that God would be known through his people, that there would be sons and daughters of God in every corner of the earth. And so that's what we're doing. That's, that's, what, we're, that's what we are called to do. That's what we are called to do to take the word of God forward, to be faithful to every bit of it, to not shrink back. 
You know, Paul says this in, to the same church. Later, he writes them a letter in, in Ephesians chapter four. He says, here's the task. Here's the, here's the missionary task. Here's really the task of all Christians. I want you to hear this. To speak the truth of God to one another in love. That, that's really it. <laughs> that's how the church grows. How is the church gonna grow? It's when we speak the truth of God to one another in love. And we grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ. As we speak spirit-filled, word-filled truth to one another, we grow into the fullness of God. The whole church grows into the image of Christ. So we've talked about the preciousness of the word, but I wanna close by talking about the preciousness of the church. You know, verse 28 really got me. Paul is urging these Ephesian elders to care for the flock, care for the church. And look at verse 28. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit made you overseers. Because he's charging these elders, watch out for the flock, take care of them. And then he said this. I love this phrase. I want us to just think about it for a few minutes. To care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood, to care for the church of God, which God obtained, the people of God, the church of God, he obtained with his own blood. You know, that, that should say something to, to all of us, that the church, the people of God, I want you to hear this, are precious to God. God obtained the church he obtained us. He bought us back. He, he paid for the price of our sin with his own blood. And if you really believe that, I mean, if you really believe that, that will totally change the way you view God, the way you view yourself, the way you view God's people, that God obtained his church by his own blood. Yeah, I, I don't know what comes to your mind when you think of God who God is, what he's like. But, but don't you see this? Don't you see how precious the people of God are to him, the people of faith are to him? It says he obtained it with his own blood. He, he gave what was most precious to him to commune with his church. He gave what was most precious to him to have fellowship with his church. He obtained his church by his own blood. God the Son was willing to give his life, to shed his blood for his church. God the Father was willing to put forward his beloved Son as a sacrifice for his church. I, I want you to get that. I mean, God could have revealed himself to us in any way. <laughs> he's God. He's the one that, he's created the categories. He created everything. He could have revealed himself to us in any way. But what are the things that God keeps saying over and over? What are the analogies? What are the, what are the, the messages that God keeps giving us to try to say how important his people are to him. I mean, it's things like this. It's like bride of Christ, the, the bride of Christ. What is the church like to, to, to God? What is the people of God like to God? It's the bride that he loves, that he pursues, that he treasures, that he chases after, that he delights in, that he's committed to. The, the church is precious to God. Or, as we see here, the blood was laid down. I'm, I'm willing to lay down my life 
to sacrifice for. What kind of love is that? I'm willing to sacrifice, I'm willing to, pay, to give my blood for this church. This is how precious the, the church is, the people of God are to me. Or, or the father's love, I'm willing to put forward my son, my, my child. I mean, what, what kind of deep love, if you are a parent, what kind of deep love is that you, do you have for a child that you would be willing to sacrifice that child for a church, for a people? Don't you see in scripture, God is saying this over and over that, that you, the people of God, are precious to God. I hope you get this picture here. You know, Paul, this is his same prayer. In the same church, he writes them later in Ephesians and he says, look, I hope you get this. His prayer in Ephesians 3 is, I hope you have the strength to comprehend. <laughs> I don't think you get it. I don't think you get how precious you are to God. I hope you have the strength to comprehend the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses all knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. I think we really get this. How loved we are by God. How precious those who are in Christ are are to God. It would change everything. It would change our whole lives. If we really believed this, we would trust God. We would obey God. We would be strengthened by God. I mean, to be loved like this, it gives you an enormous amount of poise and courage and just self-confidence. God loves me. You know, we've, we've grown a little callous to that. You know, we sang it a lot. <laughs> Jesus loves me, this I know. But, but do we really get that? You, the church of God, the people of God, the people that Christ has saved are precious to God. He gave his own blood. He, he purchased you with his own blood. Do you see that? You're precious to him. The preciousness of the people of God. And if you really believe that, it'll, it'll revolutionize your life. You know, I am, um, when I first got married, right after I got married, I started working on a PhD and it was probably, you know, it was a very hard thing to do. I was pastoring a church. I was trying to be married. It was a very exhausting time in my life. And I got behind on work. You know, I, I was busy. I got behind on work and I, uh, it was a Wednesday night. And I was pastoring, this is when I was pastoring in Covington and I had just preached the Wednesday night sermon. You know, those, you know, I got it easy here. Y'all just make me preach one time. They, they made me preach three times a week, you know. And I just preached the Wednesday night sermon. I was tired. It was Wednesday night. I had a big full day and I was behind on my schoolwork and I, I kind of had decided I'm going to quit. I can't do it. I mean, it's too much, too much work. And so I got home that night and Paige came up and, and I was telling her, I was like, look, I'm, I'm tired. I can't do this. I'm going to drop out of the PhD program. And um, I thought she'd be happy. You know, I thought she'd be like, well, good. I get to spend more time with you. But she looked at me that night and, and, you know, and I hadn't been married that long. So I was still like getting used to what a wife can do to a man, you know. And, uh, and she said, Jason, I believe in you and I love you. And then she says, how much work do you think you can get done tonight? 
And when she said that, it was like this scene in When the Grinch Stole Christmas and he got the strength of 10 Grinches plus two, you know. <laughs> I was just like, all right. You know, I, I was, I did it and I did it. I finished, I mean, I'm, I did it. Um, and I'm grateful for a wife and I'm grateful that she loves me and she believes in me. But I want you to hear this. Like God has purchased you with his blood, his own blood, God has given his son who he loves as a ransom for your life. God calls his church his, his bride that he loves, that he pursues. I want you to see how precious you are to the Lord. And I really believe if you believe that, it's not just the love of a wife or a friend, which is incredibly powerful, but the love of the maker of all the universe has directed his gaze upon you and says, I love you, I love you, I, you're precious to me. And if you believe that, and if you see yourself as that, that will give you such enormous poise to actually obey him. And Peter had totally blown it. He had denied Jesus on the night of Jesus' greatest need. Denied him three times, totally blew it. After he promised that he wouldn't. He says, not me, I'm not gonna deny you. And he did it, totally blew it. But I know that Peter, and y'all have heard me talk about this, I know that Peter believed in God's love for him. And the reason I know this, and believed in Jesus's love for him and, and forgiveness of him, and the reason I know this is because every time after the resurrection, whenever Peter hears about Jesus, he runs to wherever he is. He's so, he was so confident that Jesus would forgive him that he runs to wherever Jesus is. He, he understood he was precious to Jesus. And so John 21, he, he meets up with Jesus. He's coming to Jesus. He's, he's looking to be restored. And it, it's not a question of, does Jesus still love Peter? The question is, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me? Do you love me? And of course, Peter says, yes, 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 yes. But here's the evidence that Jesus says, but then if you really love me, take care of my sheep, feed my lambs, take care of the souls that are precious to me, pursue the people that I died to save, go after the people that I purchased with my blood, go and make disciples. And God has commissioned all of us to do the same. You know, if you really see how precious you are in God's eyes, if you really see that, that God has sent Jesus to give his life for you, then you will be like Jesus and give your life to others. This is the call. Your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. You've been bought by the blood of Christ. You're precious to God. Do you believe this? And are you pursuing him? Are you going after the ones that he calls precious? Are you going after the other souls that he delights to invite into his kingdom, this, this great responsibility that he has given to you and to me? Or are you f hiding in the foxhole, scared to engage? You know, the only way that you can really be a good soldier is to realize that you've already died. You don't have a life to preserve. <laughs> If you're in Christ, you've died with Christ and you've been raised with Christ. Your life is not your own. It is his. 
And so I guess the ask today is, would you just open your life in your hands? Would you, would you die <laughs> so that you can live? You can live toward the things that God calls right and precious and good. This is how Paul lived. He says, I just gave myself to you. I don't ask anything in return. It's more blessed to give. That's where the blessing is. That's where the power is. Will we be the same? I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. And, and really, this is just a time for us to reflect. You know, we've been talking this whole weekend about, we're talking this whole past three weeks about the Great Commission and what God's call on our life is. I'm just gonna ask you in this moment, are your hands open to the Lord? Are you open to being used by God? And I gave this analogy on Friday night, but you know, like a good soldier, we, we each have our little part to play. Not, not everybody does everything. And so for some of you, the, the call of God on your life is to engage in a very committed and real way in prayer, to come alongside one of these partners and just say, I'm gonna support them. I'm gonna pray for them. I'm gonna pray for their work. I'm gonna pray for it every day. Maybe it's just to be a friend to them. I'm gonna come beside Massimo and Gospel City Network or the Serenissima Group or uh, to what Yannick and others are doing in London or the Kaufmans in Paris or I'm just gonna pray for them. I'm gonna support them. I'm gonna be a friend to them. For some of you, it's to be generous, to say, I mean, I've never really been generous. I've never really trusted God. I'm gonna start giving to my church. <laughs> Maybe that's your step of faith today. I'm going to start giving beyond to one of these ministries like Help the Persecuted or Gospel City Network. And maybe some of you feel called to go, to go on a short-term trip this year. Let's say, you know, God has not given me all this vacation time just for me to use on myself. He's, he's called me to engage, to, to consider precious what he considers precious. And so maybe uh, it's a short-term trip. Maybe for some of you, right now as you sit, God's been speaking to your heart and it's saying, I, you know, I, I've heard about what the West are doing. Gosh, they've given seven years of their life to build this great little church in Kobe and now they're just gonna do it again. And that's hard. I wanna go help them. I'm gonna move to Tokyo for a couple of years. I'm gonna get my job over there, but I'm gonna do it. Maybe some of you feel called to go to Paris or to Rome to help out with Reed Carr and the work that he's doing trying to plant churches all across that great city. Or maybe it's the Sanchez family that the Lord is saying, hey, go, go be a part of what they're doing. They have a big vision for planting. Go help them. Go join them. I don't know what it is. But I'm gonna ask you just to, everybody keep, to keep your heads bowed, but I, I do wanna ask just to, if our missions partners would stand at this time. And, 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 and right now I'm gonna ask you, if, if you know, if as you're sitting there, God has been speaking something to you. God's been saying, hey, th there's a way I need you, I want you to engage. Get out of the foxhole. <laughs> Here's a job for you. It could be committed prayer. It could be support. It could be financial. It could be going. I'm not gonna, you don't have to say what it is, but I'm gonna ask you to stand also, just where you are. 
is to go ahead and stand up and say, I know that the Lord is asking something of my life. I know that the Lord has his hand on me. It may not be even for right now or this year, but you know, God's calling you to be part of a future church planting team, or you just you just know God's been God's been speaking to you. And maybe you've been a little resistant. Maybe you've you're holding on to something too tightly. Father, I look around the room and I know that uh, you're at work. Your spirit is moving. You're calling. You're sending precious souls, Lord. You've called us by the blood of Jesus to be yours, your children. And Lord, you've called us to consider precious what you consider precious. So, Father, I pray that um, that these who are standing, and I know many more around them, Lord, who want to engage, who are being faithful in certain areas, I just pray your blessing over them, your wisdom over them, obedience. I pray for these who are standing right now that it would just be a, a sign of faith. They're trusting you. They know they're loved by you. They're enormously loved by you. And so <laughs> if God is for them, who could be against them? Father, I pray for that all of us, Lord, in all of these things would look to Jesus, who is the Lord, that our faith would grow in him, that our lives would be for him, Lord. Bless the work, Lord, that you called us to do. Give us hearts of faith, Lord, may our faith rise toward it. And I pray this in Jesus' name.